You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course. And on today's solo episode, I'm going to just dive right in. These are going to be the common mistakes I see people make with their branding and mistakes that I feel like happen consistently regardless of the size of brand. So these are things that either I've noticed when we're working with our clients, when people fill out their contact form to work with us, or just things I've noticed from other brands that cause them to either fall off the wagon or lose their way. So in this episode, I really want to break down for you. I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different talking points for common mistakes that I see brands make when it comes to their branding and marketing. And hopefully this will spark an idea for you. If it does, of course, please share this to your stories, share it to your socials, share the clips if it resonates. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. I know this has been a long requested episode, so we're going to get right into it. Here we go. First and foremost, the biggest mistake that we see happen when it comes to branding, and this should come as a shock to absolutely no one, is a lack of a clear brand identity. Having a strong brand identity, this is, you guys know, this is my soapbox that I will stand on for forever. And it's so much more than just a logo. So even this week, we had someone come in for a discovery call that had branding that got the colors, the fonts, the logos, and then they kind of got stuck and were like, "Uh, now what? Right? So a brand identity is way, 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 way more than just putting your logo on top of everything. The things you want to consider in brand identity, of course, are your colors, your fonts, icons, patterns, illustrations, supporting assets, everything from photography, videography style. Now, as part of our brand guidelines, we're including like sound effects or playlists that help to communicate the brand look and feel. And then we also are giving them notes on voice and tone. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm a big ChatGPT girly. You want to make sure that you have those voice and tone guidelines that anyone can access that tells anyone who's creating collateral on behalf of your brand how to communicate the brand identity consistently and clearly. So revisit your brand identity. This is something to think about maybe yearly. You can have an audit of your brand and figure out like what are we missing, what lacks, what needs to be adjusted. But working with a designer, a creative director, or a brand strategist is going to be really important here to make sure that you have those clear brand identity guidelines decided on. That's a really, really common mistake. And I think it's a really common trap to fall into, right? Because if you're starting as a small business and you're starting out with a designer who's not as experienced or doesn't consider omni-channel marketing, meaning being present everywhere from print to digital to social to web to email, et cetera, then you're not always considering all those different touch points, right? So That's where it's really important to have clear brand identity because it allows you to come back to reference that so that everything that you make is consistent. That's what we're looking for. So clear brand identity, number one thing, most common mistake that we see brands make is their lack of that system. The second most common mistake that we see when it comes to branding and marketing is not understanding your target audience. If I had a penny for every single time someone filled out the brand questionnaire and said their ideal client was everyone, I wouldn't need to do this as a business anymore. 
everyone is not your ideal client. Not even women 30 to 55 is not an ideal client. There are way too many people that fit the demographic. You are going to have so much more success by doing a deep dive on an ideal client avatar than you will like just naming out demographic information, especially as your brands grow and evolve. And as branding grows and evolve, even if you have a product or you have a service, you probably also have sub audiences. So like, let's take my business, for example, right? Like we do branding, social media marketing, creative direction, print design, packaging design, the whole thing. Our ideal client is the client that's going to buy those services, but it's also everyone that follows me on social media, everyone that listens to the podcast, everyone that's interacting in the Facebook group. So the ecosystem that is MKW Creative Co. is actually much larger than just the people that are paying for our services. So understanding who you're targeting and where is going to better inform how your brand shows up in those places. So our website needs to be very client forward. That's the main driver. That's going to be the legitimacy builder, right? Whereas something like Instagram or the Facebook group or TikTok is way more off the cuff, way more casual, way less measured than what we put in through the website. Same thing with this podcast. The person listening to this podcast, you're probably also a creative. You're probably also a designer or you're a small business owner that's in that phase where you're DIYing a lot of this stuff and you don't really know how to get to that next level. And so you're coming to this podcast to learn those things and not necessarily to like have it done for you because you're not in that phase of business yet. So for me, it's really important that I understand my ideal audience and understand the consumer of not only my services or my product offerings, but who's the consumer of your content. Another example here would be like my sister, for example. She runs a wedding planning business. She gets followers of people that are engaged. So they just got engaged and then they're following her because she's a wedding planner. So she needs to make the content for the person that just got engaged. That being said, she has kind of like a natural attrition after that person gets married. So how do you keep an audience and what's the purpose of keeping an audience once they've gone through your service, right? The idea is they're only getting married once. So how can she continue to create content so that that person that she worked with three years ago is still interested in what she has to say and interested in what she has to share so that she still becomes a referral source. So understanding your target audience, really, really important in branding and marketing to make sure that you're getting hyper-focused in your messaging. And once you understand your target audience, you can use that information to inform the brand identity. So mistake number one and mistake number two are kind of linked in this. Clear brand identity, understanding target audience are two common, common, common mistakes that brands make is because they make things that look cool or that are inspired by other brands that they like and they neglect the fact that that may not be what their audience needs or that may not be who their audience is. There's a great misconception that you are your consumer. Yes, but no. Like on the one hand, create the kind of content that you enjoy, of course. But on the other hand, I'm not making content for myself. I'm making content to serve a purpose and I'm making content to serve an audience. And I think that that's something that people, especially entrepreneurs that are new, like get lost in the sauce with that. The third mistake I see a lot of brands make and a lot of clients that come to us to work with us is that they put all of their eggs in one social media basket. As we've seen in the last few months with the way that social media goes, platforms change. Platforms are businesses too. Like Instagram is a business. TikTok is a business. Twitter slash X is a business. And you cannot rely on only one channel to bring you 100% of your traffic. It's just, a number one, a liability. 
And number two, not smart business practice. So figuring out where your audience lives, again, that goes back to understanding your target audience, And then going to the places where they are is really important, but also don't be afraid to diversify that effort. A lot of people hear this and they get really overwhelmed. Like, oh, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to make all new content. Smarter, work smarter, not harder, right? Like as the time I'm recording this podcast, I'm also live on TikTok. I can download the TikTok live. I can repurpose that content. I can turn it into a time-lapse. I can cut clips based on who's interacting with what. Like what are the points that are really resonating with my TikTok audience? And then how does that inform topics for the podcast moving forward? Like I could go in on social media alone in this episode. I'm not going to for the sake of time, but there's a lot of opportunities to really gain insights from the content that you create for each platform and let that further inform the type of content that you want to do in other places. So diversify your social media. Right now, MKW Creative Co. is active with the podcast, obviously, TikTok, Instagram, threads, Facebook group, and that's it. That's five things. That's a lot. Sometimes we'll throw in some Pinterest stuff. Sometimes we'll throw in some LinkedIn stuff. Again, just depends on the purpose. I'm not saying you have to do all the things. I'm not even saying you have to do all the things all the time. Just don't only do one. That's my best recommendation. Don't only do one and don't expect a social media to perform the way that it once did. We run into this with clients all the time. They hire us to run their Instagram because they feel like they're not getting the results they want. And they're expecting 2018, 2019, 2020 engagement on their Instagram. That does not exist anymore. Those days are far gone. So it's readjusting the expectation. It's like walking into a department store and hoping to shop the product line that they had three years ago. It's not possible anymore. So figuring out or communicating that to your clients, if you're on the designer side or the marketing side, Or as a brand, understanding that the results that you once got on a platform may not be feasible again means that all the more reason to diversify your effort, to diversify the platforms you're on, diversify the audiences that you're growing. And the dream is that people go from one to the other to the other, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast or you follow me on TikTok, you probably also follow me on Instagram. The idea here is that you're getting something different from Instagram than what you get on TikTok or what you get from the podcast, or that you get something different from being a part of the Facebook group that I'm not putting in other places. So there's benefit to creating that ecosystem around your brand. And I think every brand, regardless if you're a product or service-based or whatever it is that you do, it's really important to have presence in a lot of different places. The next big mistake that I think we see a lot of our clients kind of fall into this trap or other brands fall into this trap, and it kind of piggybacks on the last point, is that you're not repeating yourself enough. Having a marketing message and making one post about it is not enough. You've got to find ways to say the same thing, first of all, multiple times. And second of all, say it in different ways, right? So people learn differently. People absorb differently. But also we're completely inundated with crap all day long. So if you want to cut through the noise and you want your ideal client to see your stuff, you want people to listen, you want people to converse with your brand and have a culture around your brand as part of the community, you have to say the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's just the reality. That's also marketing, right? So you may have a touch point on social. You may have a touch point on print. You might say the same message on your website. You might say the same message on your YouTube channel. That's the other one that we're doing is YouTube repeating yourself and not being hard on yourself for saying the same message over and over again. 
So perfect example of this. I have wanted to try Athletic Greens for forever. I have probably opened their website 18 different times. Every podcast I listen to seems to be sponsored by Athletic Greens. And now literally probably on my 1000th exposure to this brand, I finally added it to my cart and I haven't even checked out of the cart yet. I have not even checked out on the cart, but I'm going traveling. I'm like, you know what? I really do want to try Athletic Greens and see if I feel any differently. But the name Athletic Greens, like I've literally been in the orbit of that brand for years, literal years. Like I saw a girl drinking Athletic Greens on a bachelorette party like two years ago and I never like did it for myself. So again, like the presence and the consistency of being present in the places where I am is working in their favor. So I follow them on Instagram. I follow them on social media. They sponsor all the podcasts that I listen to. And now that I finally have a need, I'm like, okay, let's see how much this costs. Let's go over to this website. So consistency, visibility, and repeating yourself, repeating yourself in a way that connects to that person. And honestly, what seals the deal is that the podcast that I listen to, they talk about taking athletic greens when they travel and about how it makes them feel better. It starts their day off on the right foot. They're getting all the vitamins and nutrients that they need in a day that feels unpredictable. You're not at home. You're not cooking for yourself. You're eating at restaurants. So like that storytelling and that messaging is probably had to hit my ears 400 times before I even considered buying. So repeat yourself, repeat yourself, repeat yourself. Really important thing to do with your marketing. And just because you posted it and you know you posted a message about a program, about a service, about a product, like your audience, it's not going to sink in for them on one post. Regardless of the visibility, it's not going to sink in for them. Even if they have the luxury of seeing your post, you broke through the algorithm. Like even if that's the case, the probability of that message actually sinking in is very, very low. Next, the other big mistake that we see clients make a lot when it comes to their branding and marketing is ignoring their audience feedback. So for just as much as it's important for you to be present in front of your audience and active in your community, if you are not taking feedback from the people that are in your DMs, that are in your comment section, that are interacting with your brand, you're missing the point. It's called social media for a reason. We want to see you interact with your audience. That's the biggest luxury that modern marketing affords you through social media that we didn't used to have. You make a radio ad, you make a TV ad, like unless someone is actually calling up your company and saying, oh, this really worked for me. Like I'm hooked. I'm on to this idea. You get that all the time with social. So to ignore feedback or to not open messages and not interact with people or not respond to comments it's hurting you way more than you think it is. So the perfect example is like today. So I've got a list of five solo episodes I wanted to record. I threw it out to my Facebook group, made a poll, said, okay, which of these topics do you think are you most interested in? Let's bring it back to the audience. I'm not like letting it say like the sky's the limit. I'll talk about anything. I'm saying here are the five on my docket. Which one do you want to hear first? And that could spur a whole other bit of conversation that could spur a whole new brainstorm of somebody saying like, yeah, none of these topics are interesting to me, but Michelle, I noticed that you do X, Y, Z really well. Can you talk about that? You're opening the door and you're giving opportunity for collaboration. And I think, again, that's the biggest missed opportunity by brands is that they think that that's unprofessional or it's not welcoming or it's not to their advantage. And I'm here to say like the opposite is true. Ignoring your feedback from your community is like one of the biggest things that drives me nuts about brands. Absolutely nuts. Also, because you have the opportunity to really save the day for someone. If someone comes through and you help them, then you're building brand credibility. You're building 
brand cachet every single time you have an interaction with someone on behalf of your brand. So consider that in the DMs, consider that in the comments section, consider that in your engagement that you're doing on your socials, right? Like every single micro interaction, you're continuing to build the story for that other person of what your brand is and what you do and who you are. So don't take it lightly. At the same time, don't take yourself too seriously. Like it doesn't need to be a press release. It doesn't need to be formalized. Like I think treating people like people, it goes with that ignoring feedback thing and like lack of authenticity. Treat people like people. Even if you're a brand, treat the person in your comment section like a person. And I think it goes really, really far. Circling kind of back to the top, lack of clear brand identity. A big pain point that we're noticing recently is inconsistency in the messaging copy. So yes, repeat yourself. Yes, have a clear brand identity. Yes, diversify your social media presence. But also don't ignore like the core of your messaging copy. This is where your core values, your brand adjectives, your ideal client avatar, right? Understanding your audience. This is where this comes into play. You need to make sure that you're saying the same message consistently a lot. But the consistency really comes in where you're getting at the mission of the effort right away. For example, when we're working with Hotel Lobby Candle and we're coming up on a launch, we are creating messaging copy that is using the same verbiage over and over and over again, but that is going at a directive. The directive is buy the candle. Instead of just saying in every single caption, buy the candle, We are giving the story, the backstory, the reasoning, we're painting the picture with then ending with the call to action, buy yours, shop yours, get yours now, now live, carts open, yada, yada, yada. Same with San Diego Open, right? The messaging copy for San Diego Open is a lot about being the premier tennis event in San Diego. So world's best, world's best tennis, America's finest city. This kind of theme is really helping to drive our content. So that's stripping back a lot of the other stuff. We're not trying to say that tennis is better than other sports. We're not trying to say that there's anything crazy going on here. We're focusing on the theme of world's best tennis, America's finest city, and tennis taking over. That was a really big theme for that campaign. Tennis is taking over. Okay, so with the idea tennis is taking over, this is what spurred us on the whole route with like the mid-journey images, right? Like what if the beaches were flooded with tennis balls? And then it's this tennis takeover in San Diego. Then that turned into like actually making physical tennis balls with the branding on it. Now we're kind of going into this whole merch phase. And so the merch is all about tennis takeover and we want people to be decked out head to toe in merch. So the tennis takeover theme is communicating the brand. It's showing off what we're going for. It's also driving to like that be a part of it, that FOMO, that social cachet of a campaign. But the consistency in the content is tennis is taking over, get your tickets, world's best tennis, America's finest city. And that messaging is in every caption, every reel, every theme, every pitch deck, everything that that brand touches, that messaging copy is going to stay consistent. And that's really, really, really important. Another risk or mistake that commonly happens with brands, especially new brands, and a lot of these talking points, I will say, kind of like piggyback on one another, right? They are related. The theme in general is really like lack of confidence or lack of direction, you could say, is the underlying theme, if we're going to therapize all of these talking points, that's the underlying theme of all of these mistakes. It's like lack of confidence and lack of direction. So when you lack a clear brand identity, you lack confidence. When you don't understand your audience, you lack confidence. When you put all your effort on social media into one thing and you don't diversify, you're like lacking confidence to show up in those other places. 
So this idea of changing your directives too often is something that a lot, a lot, a lot of brands and creators really struggle with. So changing the course, trying something, saying, oh, our audience isn't responding to it. We're going to do something totally different. Oh, we already posted about that. We already talked about it. Let's do something else. No, 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 no. Give things time to marinate. Give it net 30, net 60. Try something for an effort. Let it sink in. Then gather the insights from that thing. Did it go well? Did it not go well? Did you get a return? Did you get what you were expecting? Then you can take that data to inform your next move. But I noticed a lot of brands end up going like zing, 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 ping ponging all over the place. And they're not even giving their audience an opportunity to one, hear them, two, take action. And then it just ends up looking all over the place and looks so disjointed and looks so disorganized because you haven't let your actual idea, your effort, your campaign, your services, your anything, you haven't actually let it sink in. So there's kind of two sides to that. It's like, obviously follow the data, but give yourself, the business owner or the creative, an opportunity to really see an idea through before you decide to go in a totally different direction. You can think about this on a monthly scale, on a quarterly scale, a yearly scale. It's kind of up to you. It depends. But changing your ideas too often gives your audience whiplash, absolute whiplash. If you're constantly launching a new program or you're constantly launching a new service, or you're constantly doing a new thing all the time, it just creates a sense of distrust with your audience that's really unnecessary. So changing your ideas too often is another thing that again, like I think a lot of brands fall victim to. It doesn't mean you can't fix it, but trying something, seeing it through, and then deciding if it was worth it or not is definitely my best suggestion for moving forward. The last of our one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the last, I couldn't even remember from the beginning of the episode, the last of our eight common mistakes that brands make is not taking risks. And I know that kind of sounds like it's contradictory to the last thing of changing ideas too often, but I think that a lot of brands end up looking to other brands to follow as like the playbook for their success. So I've got a lot of clients that mention like Liquid Death or Apple or Rivian or brands that are just are experimental and risky because they push the envelope and then they try to follow that playbook. Lightning is not going to strike twice, right? There's a reason it works for that brand. And I think being a quote unquote disruptor is something that's really kind of buzzy and sexy to talk about. But the only way to be a good disruptor of a space is to have a clear brand identity, understand your target audience, repeat yourself, have clear messaging. So all these themes that we talked about kind of boil down also to figure out where your space is to take risks. I know you guys hear me say this all the time on the podcast is one of my favorite things. It's like Alex Toussaint, the Peloton trainer always says, find the discipline within your freedom. Like you have all this freedom to do stuff, find the discipline to like say, okay, this is within my domain and here's where I'm going to push the boundaries. Here's where I'm going to take it to the next level. Here's where I'm going to push the limits and do something unexpected or out of the box or quirky or take your audience insights and let that inform your process. I think that that's something again, like the risk doesn't have to mean like, we're going to flip this whole thing upside down. It's the, we're going to try this thing as an experiment. Then we're going to take the data from that experiment and let that inform how our business is going to grow moving forward and how our brand is going to grow in the mind's eye of our ideal client. That pretty much summarizes it. Again, the list from the top here, eight common mistakes we see brands make. And a lot of this is coming from like client experience or 
people who come through our contact form or people who are in my DMs, you guys, like, again, if this was helpful to you, this episode, please, please, please share it. It really does help us a lot. But those eight mistakes are lacking a clear brand identity, not understanding your target audience, putting all your eggs in one social media basket, not repeating yourself enough, ignoring audience feedback, inconsistency in your messaging and your copy, changing your ideas too often, and also not taking risks. Let me know which of those like resonated with you the most. And thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. Again, take your notes. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Please feel free to leave us a review anywhere you like. And if you'd like to request a podcast episode or episode topic or a guest, please submit that in the Facebook group. We always have dialogue in there about upcoming themes and getting you guys stuff that's actually going to be useful to you. So thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.